Newsbreak's election debate roadshow. Give your vote a voice. Well, we did promise you a double dose of Newsbreak's election debate roadshow. A very warm welcome to us here live from the Mount Edgecombe Arts and Culture Centre north of Durban where we are having an election debate. Another one in Durban, this time to bring it more to north of the city where we get to ask you why should you vote for the political parties represented here today. So a very warm welcome to our audience members. It's a packed to capacity crowd today and I thank you so much for coming through without any further ado because I'm sure you all want to raise some critical issues. Let's begin the debate. Well, at this stage, you are well versed with why we're here, what we're doing. We're making democracy work for you, giving you a chance to um, integrate yourself into the narrative ahead of the polls. So let's begin by introducing our political parties assembled here today. And we'll start with the ANC. Thank you so much for your time. Let's say hello to Ms. Numusa Ngubedube. Hi. Ma'am, your 60 seconds start now. Yes, um, we're saying the people, um, when the 8th of May come, they should vote for the African National Congress, the ANC, because there has been a threat um, that has bound the African National Congress with many of our comrades from Indian and colored and all communities. We're saying for many years we have been long together and we have been odious, um, the odious struggle of fighting against apartheid and discrimination for all our communities. We are having uh, many of our communities today that have been integrated in many of uh, the programs that we have. We're talking about transforming the economy to serve all our communities, not the few, not just those that have more, but all the communities. We're talking about advancing social transformation. We're talking about ensuring social cohesion, that this country belongs to all who live in it. We're talking about our community that need to respect and create a human value. Ma'am, your time is up for your opening remarks. So let's move on to our next political party representative now. So welcome the DA's Mr. Hanif Hussain. 30 days to go to a DA government, Tarish. Thank you very much. Well, we thank you for taking the time out in that busy schedule to talk to us, Mr. Hussein. Your minute starts now. Tarish, for 25 years we have suffered under an abusive, racist and corrupt ANC government. Whilst we have been working hard to build a better future for our country and our families, ANC politicians were working hard to steal our money. Our country is on a downward spiral. The cost of living has become unbearable for ordinary people. Service delivery at every government institution is at a crisis. This useless ANC government cannot even keep the lights on because they have captured ESCOM and stolen billions. They spend more money protecting ANC politicians than the people. That is why our communities have become a breeding ground for criminals. Every day in every corner of South Africa, the DA has been working hard to remove this corrupt ANC government from power so that we can build a brighter future for our families. For the first time in our history, we have a massive opportunity to remove a very weak ANC from power and bring change to South Africa. On the 8th of May, we are asking people to go out and vote for a DA government that will build one South Africa for all of us. Thank you so much. Your time is up there. Shifting focus now, let's welcome the EFF's Mr. Vusikosa to the panel. So thanks for your time. Uh, greetings and uh, greetings to the listeners at home. EFF is yes, your minute starts now. EFF is a radical protest movement. We are here to speak truth to power. We are an organization of young, fearless fighters who are here for, to fight for the economic freedom of our people. We have... Uh, 
committed ourselves to fighting for the return of our land from colonialism through to apartheid and 25 years of ANC rule. Our people are still trapped in squatter camp and they have never tasted freedom. We are saying people must vote for EFF for true economic freedom of particularly the indigenous people of this land, not these Bosasa clowns. Our people are living on Sasa cards when the ANC is living on Bosasa uh, a nice time. We are saying that must come to and stop these elections. Thanks so much for your, for your opening remarks there. Shifting focus now, let's welcome the NFP to the panel. Hello there, Mr. Ahmed Manzoor, Sheikh Imam. Uh, good afternoon to you and good afternoon to the listeners. Your minute starts now. Good afternoon to all our listeners out there. You know, I just share some of the political parties, the DA and the EFF, talking about how they will create a better environment. Now, let's start first of all with corruption with the African National Congress. It's the order of the day, from the highest level to the lowest level. So how they want to do it differently when you've had the opportunity for so many years to do it and you failed to do it, I don't know. What you are doing here is misleading the people. Secondly, let's talk about the DA. If you look at the state of affairs in the Western Cape alone and how people are being evicted day in and day out in the Western Cape, you look at the water crisis, you look at all the municipalities in the Western Cape that are corrupt, that the hawks are in there, I don't know how they can talk about clean governance. You talk about the EFF equally. The EFF is talking about clean governance. Corruption at the EFF is the highest level. They talk about Busasa. They don't want to talk about the VBS Bank. And right now, the millions of rents have been stored in constitutional. So your time is up. Is we'll have to leave it there with you. Thanks so much for your opening remarks. Let's welcome the UDM to the panel today here at the Mount Edgecombe Art and Culture Center. Ms. Angela Mtembu, thanks for joining us. Thank you for welcoming me. Greeting to Your the minutes. audience, and I greet all the listeners out there. Your minute starts now. I think people should now, after 25 years, realize that it is time for change. We need to change the way things have been happening. We need to change the way the government is working. I think it is time that people now vote UDM. We vote UDM because UDM, our president, is anti-corrupt. He has an experience of leading the country at one stage for two years, yet yet led Transkai, and there there was no corruption whatsoever. We are the we are the government that believe in helping people we believe um, your minute is up thanks so much for the opening remarks which we are going to interrogate as our debate continues political parties so there you go this is what they're saying to you and this is what is put on the table here are you going to pick it up or not well let's get some perspective onto what we've raised so far on the opening remarks there of the debate I'm very happy to be joined here by dr lubna nadvi our political moderator today dr nadvi good afternoon to you Good afternoon, Suresh, and good afternoon to all the party representatives and the members of the public. Lovely to be here. Mm. Very strong remarks coming through. A lot of, um, you know, you have a sense parties are talking about themselves and a lot are talking about other parties. You know, when you listen to what is put here on the table, you know, your idea as to what's out there come May 8th. 
Well, we've heard from the representatives in terms of, uh, you know, them criticizing each other, uh, the uh, other political parties. But I think what we really want to hear is more of what each party will do for the people, because that, you know, what is your um, delivery strategy? What are the issues that you're going to take on? And in terms of what is out there, I mean, the people out there are looking for, as the last speaker said, change. Uh, over 25 years, we've seen a lot of challenges and problems, and corruption has been an issue. Uh, poverty, inequality, these are the things that are out there, and so we want to hear how you're going to, starting May 8th, and when you come into office, make the change. Mm. I think there's a, you know, there's a great deal that has not gone right in many political parties. Um, you know, while it is commonplace to accuse a particular party, I think in the narrative we've been hearing thus far on this roadshow, the ruling party is most criticized. Um, Chinks in everybody's armor, though. Yes, I mean, uh, each, I think, uh, party has uh, issues that they have to deal with, and so they have to do self-reflection in terms of what needs to improve. I don't think any of the parties can say, you know what, we are free of corruption or we are free of any uh, wrongdoing. There are issues, so I think self-reflection is very important. I think also to uh, look at where you have made accomplishments, but you need to improve. And, of course, I think... Uh, well, it is part of election, uh, you know, contestation to criticize each other. I think maybe more effort should be placed on, uh, you know, focusing on your own uh, delivery approach. And mm. that for me is, I, I think, more important. Yeah. A very quick one before we go to our audience members here, Dr. Nadvi. You know, what came through quite strongly yesterday was um, the fact that you have... 25 years of democracy. You've had an ANC in power since the start of that 25 years, an emergence of the Democratic Alliance over the years, and they continue to increase their career graph. The introduction of new political players, you know, like at a point COPE, EFF, the NFP even. My question is, 25 years, and everybody should have learned something, or everybody should have kind of bolstered their level of delivery. Your assessment of where political parties have taken the electorate in the past 25 years, is it on the par that it needs to be? Well, we have to be mindful of the fact that we're still a very young democracy. Uh, there are many countries that are much older than us. So I think in 25 years, uh, we've achieved some basics, like, uh, you know, apartheid legislation has been done away with. Uh, some structures and institutions have been put into place. We need to strengthen those institutions. So I think that some achievements have really been, uh, you know, done. But what is of concern is the, the stories that are emerging now of what's been happening behind the scenes, the corruption, it, yeah. that it stands out. So if you ask about how parties have taken us forward, um, I want to, uh, you know, hear what the newer parties are going to do because it's healthy for democracy for the new parties to emerge. What they're saying is that the existing parties have not actually done what we had hoped they would do. Yeah, so or we what are they now, said they would do. Yes, and that we are now here, so give us a chance. And that, I think, is very good for democracy. And the fact that uh, our political system allows it. I mean, we have so many new political yeah. parties, and it's great that that is the case. Mm. Well, this is the parameters of the debate then. It's all set now, and it's time to go to you to find out what your thoughts are on this. A very warm welcome to Newsbreak's election debate roadshow. I'm Tariyash Hari Prashad. Let's go to our audience members now. The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM. Okay, and let's begin with our first audience member. Hi, I'm Reshma Singh from Eastbury, Phoenix. My uh, question is to Mr. Hanif Hussain. 
Uh, Mr. Hussein, we face many challenges in the community regarding home affairs. We have many people that are employed. They work from Monday to Friday. So basically, they, days off are Saturday and Sunday. Is it possible to send in a request for home affairs to be opened during the weekend? Thanks for the question. We appreciate it. Let's go to our next audience member. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Aharia Sheikh, and this one is for the DA councillor. Um, I am from Ward 51, and it is a... Please go ahead. I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, so I am... I can hear you loud and clear. Okay. Um, so, since you uh, said the same speech you said yesterday, I'm just going to ask you the same question again, besides bashing another party. What can you do for me? Okay, great. Thank you for the question. Next audience member. Good afternoon all. My question is related to the ANC representative. I am a young South African graduate who is facing challenges in seeking employment because of the BEE policy. How can I then confidently vote for your party when your party has implemented this policy, disadvantaging all other race groups? Thank you. Thanks for the question. Next audience member, please. I'm also going to remind you to please tell me your name so we know who we're talking to. May Peters Kistia, this question is posed to the ANC and DA representatives. I just need to find out what is your plan going forward on the high domestic violence rate in, in the country. Nobody has addressed that so far and it is a plague that is killing our women in South Africa. What is your plan to make sure that our women are safe in South Africa? Appreciate your question. Next audience member, please. Hi, my name is Bradley and I got a question for the ANC MEC. The ANC are a bunch of thieves. How are you going to stop corruption? Thieves belong in jail, not in parliament. Look at your corrupt list. Vote DA. Thanks for the question. Moving on now, let's go to our next audience member. Hi, my name is Poise from the UDM. Uh, my question is directed to the misruling party. Uh, the 220 million rand that disappeared in the department of the MEC, uh, how many jobs were lost? How, how much of the economic growth was lost? How much of the development was lost through that corruption in the MEC's office? And the 28 million rand that involves the deputy chairperson of the province of the ANC. Thanks so much for raising the points there. Let's go to our next audience member. Uh, hi, good, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Robin, and I'm from the Good Party in Phoenix. I'd like to ask a good question to the ANC concerning land issues. <clears throat> it's a two-part question. One is the metro paper here. <clears throat> the ANC uh, uh, makes notices here to expropriate Indian land in various areas like Verlum, Kenville, uh, Umlazi, and <clears throat> this is for low-cost housing, which is for blacks. Why is the ANC taking lands from the Indians now in, in a democracy and giving to blacks? The second question yeah, is... I only have for one question, so thank you for raising that point. Let's go quickly to the next audience. Yeah, my name is Sila Nachari, and I live in Phoenix, Ward 48. We have plans. I go can, wash your mouth with I, salt I, first. I, I can hear you. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so, We've made arrangements two years ago with the Department of Health and with the Department of Public Works to try and get a piece of land at Mahatma Gandhi Hospital to build an old age home. We've made steady inquiries about that. I would like to ask the ANC representative, MEC Nomusa Duben Ngube, if she can please get her colleagues to expedite the building of an old age home in Phoenix. Phoenix is more than 45 years old 
And we have people that desperately need this facility and a childcare facility as well. Okay, we will leave it there with you. We'll stop, we'll stop with audience members there now because there's quite a lot here to take forward and let's begin that debate and that narrative on a lot of what was raised here by uh, audience members. And I'm going to remind you audience members so you can follow this uh, conversation. I did say even yesterday and today as well that we are going to be talking along the national issues. So I'm going to take a lot of the local issues that you've raised here and look with it through the lens of the national picture. So let, that's how we are going to frame the discussion here right now. And I'm going to start with you, Ms. Namusa Dubengube, um, and, and, and to talk about a problem that has been raised constantly, the implementation of, of BEE um, targets and quotas with regard to employment equity. You started off very strongly by talking about integration, the you know, uh, distribution of the economy social transformation, social cohesion, and those were some real big buzzwords in your opening address. But what the audience said here today and what they've said previous times is that they don't feel as if the distribution of what South Africa's potential is adequately meets them and that it's select for certain race groups. How do you respond to that? Well, the way I would respond to that is that um, that is absolutely not true in our country. I am witness to that, and many of you are witness to that, that uh, in, in this country, everybody who's got, has got an equal, equal opportunity for employment. Whenever um, employment opportunities are open, and it is true, because we even have policies, the policies that get um, evaluated to see whether every target, all the targets for all race groups in our communities are represented in all our departments and in all our state entities. And I can assure you now that you go to any municipality where INC is in government, you go to any government department, you will see even the STAT-SA is the witness to that. STAT-SA has actually indicated, has confirmed, STAT-SA has confirmed that majority of Indian colored community, where they're coming from all communities collectively, working together for this economy, have been employed um, in this government. Yeah. But when you say that you want to transform the economy and transform the resources, who are you going to take it from? Because the other issue is land expropriation. A gentleman raised the issue there, and this is a major discussion. A lot of grey areas still about it. And the concern that's coming through from the floor, as per the article that he's citing from the Metro paper, is that land from certain communities, as per the Group Areas Act, is going to be taken from certain people and given to another person. Surely that is casting doubt on the, effectively, um, the effective management of this from a human rights perspective. Well, I think what, what needs to be, we all need to be honest here, that there's no way where it says there is land that is going to be taken from Indian communities or from any other off-sector communities. What the government is talking about is the equitable distribution of land but also is ensuring that our land is used productively. We even have a policy that say you must use the land that is going to be given to our communities. When you talk about land, even where we are, we've had certain communities, even in the Indian communities, where previously there were land, their land were taken from them. We've got roads that we had to rename after our heroes, our Indian community heroes. We have laces where we have to fight for our Indian communities to get their land back 
We're talking here even about the churches. Yeah. We've had churches in the Indian community. I think one more, we've had to give their one more land. question on that. I mean, while you're talking about the way this is going to be, you know, the, the vision, the framework that you're touting as to the way land redistribution is going to take place. I mean, if you look at it, the Department of Human Settlements itself has recorded about 553 informal settlements in various areas in Itekweni, mm. estimating about you know over 230 dwellings. If the management of informal dwellings have not been effectively handled over the past 25 years, how are you going to effectively expropriate land and, and, and distribute that in a systematic fashion? Remember, we're not talking about land that is uh, already um, where people are living now. The human settlement, for instance, when you talk about land. Here we're talking about land that is out there that was taken from our communities. We're talking about that land that has to be expropriated. But we're also talking about land that has got to be used for community benefit, for all the people's benefit, not for particular communities. So we're not talking about people based on, on their race. We're talking about making this country a country where all communities can feel that they are part of this government. That is why we're talking about growing South Africa yeah, together, yeah. not for only for Indian communities or for African communities. Let's shift that forward then to Mr. Hanif Hussein from the DA. And it's a recurring question, Mr. Hussein. Again, the audience assembled here is not confident as to what the DA can do for them. Well, Suresh, let me firstly say that uh, you know, Musa asks us to be um, honest, but she herself has been completely dishonest. It's extremely ridiculous to suggest when she says that there are equal opportunities for employment in the Indian community. It's absolute nonsense. The only time the ANC comes and talk about equal opportunities is election time. When the election is over, they ask Indian people to go to the back of the queue when it comes to housing allocation, to move to the back of the queue when it comes to job allocation. Let me tell you, you want to ask us, you asked me a question about what can the DA do, and the young lady asked a very pertinent question. Firstly, Al-Hadiyah, the young lady who asked the question yesterday, she asked a similar question today. The reason, why I, uh, the reason why I give you the same speech is because nothing has changed since the ANC has been government. If you want to change it, get rid of this corrupt ANC. Uh, Mr. Hussain, what are you talking about changes? And answer the 54%. question. 54% of the jobs that we created in South Africa were in DA-led governments, for example. We created 640,000 new jobs the last time there was a study that was done. Unemployment, let me tell you, Tharesh, is 14% lower in the Western Cape than it is in the national average. You know, you always so talk you about want, the Western but Cape. But you ask me a question, let me give you an answer. Okay, go, go ahead. So if people want to see the change, vote for the change. You're not going to get the change if you're going to say the same corrupt government in power because for as long as they're in power, we will continue to criticize them, we will continue to hold them accountable, we will continue to tell people about right. the millions of rents okay. that they're stealing, our hard-earned tax I, I, money that we're I get that, that point loud and clear, Mr. Hussain. Let's come back to it. And yesterday you even spoke about the Western Cape and what a good model that is. How come you're not talking about areas in, in, in the Western Cape that have to battle for services? Areas like Delft, who have complained to us about their state of affairs, why is that never put forward by the DA? And you shy away from that particular point. We, we are always the first to acknowledge that we are not a perfect government. But we're certainly a better government than the ANC. Because we use every single rand of the taxpayers' money to put it to work for the people. We don't steal the taxpayers' money. 
The ANC works hard to steal our money. We work hard to invest it in the future of our people. So That's why South Africa will be a better place under a day government. So if you're not mismanaging the funds, then why is it that areas like Kailitra, areas like Delft, because you raised the Western Cape, are crying for services? If you've got a budget and you know how to allocate it, why are you not doing it for the areas that need it the most? Well, let me tell you what you don't know. 82% of that budget that has been spent was a pro-poor budget for poor communities. Under all DA governments in South Africa, a collected amount of 100 billion rand, and these are facts, you can go and have a look at it, 100 billion rand in all the DA governments was spent on poorer communities. So it's not, it is not true that the ANC does not invest. In fact, the ANC, the, the DA does invest in poor communities. The ANC had 25 years yeah. and they messed it up. And you can't hold us on the same standard for a two-year uh, period that we were under government. Let's shift the conversation now, Mr. Busikosa from the EFF. And I mean, your response to what, what your colleague from the Democratic Alliance was talking about, you're not convinced about the fact that are you convinced about the fact that all areas are getting the same kind of treatment? No, I'm not convinced. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't have a hashtag remember Nyanga, remember Kaelisha, Delft, Guanobuse. The DA is the most useless and most racist and most uh, racist organization. You just need to go to Cape Town and see what's happening. You just need to look their list, uh, at the list of their people they are sending to parliament. It's lily white. It's like you are somewhere in Britain. But also, let me just say that both the DA and the ANC, they've been in government for a very long time. They've changed nothing. So what needs to happen to answer that young person? Stop sending the old, tired, old grannies and pensioners to parliament. Send youthful young people from the EFF to go and represent you. We talk about the fact that land shall be returned Mr. Koza, to the indigenous people. Yeah. We will expropriate it without compensation. All land, not just some land. Mr. Koza, you're talking there about the, the Democratic Alliance in, uh, inability there to effectively distribute and cater for all. With the way you alienate the Indian origin community, how do you expect them to trust you with their vote that you're going to, if you come into power, put them on the agenda, actually give them any sort of representation with the way you bash them all the time? No, it's, it's not like we, we're bashing them all the time. We, we, we speak truth to power. We are here to speak truth to power without fear or favor. We shall repeat it again. The Indian community, they know that in their communities, black people are still treated called boys, called girls. They are made to sleep with dogs in their seven quarters. You know the I think that's discussion out of line. I, I, around pry areas, I think, how you discuss. I think, I think that is out of line, Mr. Koza. I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you there. It's out of line yeah. to cast general stereotypes like that. It's very irresponsible. You know, you talk about that and you're talking you, you are talking about the level as you as you constantly say the upper hand that the Indian origin community has have you gone to areas like Crossmore have you gone to old Phoenix here and see the way the people live here have you seen them walking yes the I have I, I, by the way I'm from Deben and I go to all these places I've been to all these places and I must repeat we are not saying as EFF all Indian are, are racist. We are saying majority of Indians are racist, just like the majority of whites. The majority of whites are racist, and we are going to say it now and say it again without any fear. We speak truth to power, and we fear nothing. Let's shift over to the uh, let's shift over to the NFP now, and Mr. Uh, 
Mr. Imam, I mean, I, I mean, I've got so much to ask you, but I'm going to start off there. You had 60 seconds to tell this crowd why they should vote for you. Spoke about all the other parties except NFP. Let me, right, let, let, let me just rather start off by saying, first of all, one of the serious challenges in the country is, unless you separate administration from politics, and I know the MEC is, is going to argue that that's how it's supposed to be. Clearly, it is not that way. What the National Freedom Party is saying, separate politics of politicians and political parties has nothing to do with the administration. We continue with doing oversight in South Africa. The interference of politicians and political parties in the governance at local, provincial and national level is where the corruption emanates from. That's the first thing we are saying. We are going on to even say that including the state-owned entities, there is no problem with the state-owned entities. If you take ESCOM, it has three problems. It's not ESCOM itself that's a problem. First of all, the new boards which were put in there by the ANC because of the majority in parliament have put in people that went in there without the know-how. They got rid of all those people with the skills because they were due for, for, for a pension, brought in the new graduates with, without transferring the skills. I'm sorry, I'm going to stop you there again. I'm going to ask you about the NFP and this was the second time yes. that you didn't talk yeah. to me about what you're, what you're going to do as a party. You managed six seats in KwaZulu Natal in yes. 2014. Yeah. It was a good run for you. A lot of issues since then weren't even able to run in 2016. Do you think they have the confidence in your party? Well, let me tell you the National Freedom Party is the only party at parliamentary level that has been calling for a separation from an administration and politics. That's the first one. It's the NFPs that the only one that have come, come with a solution to the housing crisis where we said stop building houses because you cannot do that. Let's provide them with fully service sites, create a state bank, give them loans at 2%. People will be able to build decent houses. It's only the NFP of that. When it yeah. comes to the issue of the land, we say yes, indeed, expropriation must continue without, but make it a win-win situation. So when you give it from A to B, make sure that B is able to continue okay. farming with the expropriation. We'll leave it there the with you. We'll shift on now to the UDM. Ms. Angelum Tembu, and, and, and I think an interesting point raised here by, by Dr. Nadvi, and I'll remind you, there are some still outstanding issues from the floor. I'm still going to integrate that into the conversation. Uh, rest assured that your questions are going to be taken forward. But yes, back to the point. Dr. Nadvi started off by saying that, you know, newer parties, younger parties, parties that are pushing forward with more vigor. Of course, the UDM isn't necessarily considered a new player on the block, but in a KwaZulu-Natal perspective, you don't even have a seat in this legislature. So have, taking that into account then, what accountability, accountability mechanism can you play with these other players here with you? Well, the UDM, as soon as possible, we will host economic indaba, whereby all the citizens and stakeholders. I don't know whether these people have started in the bar before they come here. They are very disturbing. It's unlike UTM. Ma'am, I can hear you loud and clear. Please go ahead. Don't worry I, about them. They make such a noise. Nonsense. Okay. Go ahead, ma'am. As I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted by the blues. Ma'am, I'm going to push you to please answer the question very quickly. The stakeholders will gather under one roof to emerge the microeconomic policy, including the critical land issue that will lead to stability to ensure growth in our country.
we are so much concerned about the citizens of South Africa. Yes, we are not at, at, at KZN right now, but come May 8th, we are going to be there. And we are going to work. Our priority is job creation, economy, the crime. Yeah, okay, ma'am. I think I'm going to have to leave it there with you before we go on to the next batch okay, of, okay. Uh, of questions. Dr. Nadvi, very interesting discussion here about, uh, I think, you know, you have the issue of employment equity being a major issue, um, you know, black economic empowerment, critics on both sides of it. And I think ultimately what South Africans are asking for and a big issue for them is an economic viability for whoever they cast their vote for. Taking policies into effect now, you look at the likes of employment equity, you look at the likes of BE, um, you know, the, the rhetoric from, from, from some parties where uh, only certain pockets of the population are going to be placed high up on their agenda. You, you have to question the equal distribution of resources to the electorate because it's quite a, it's quite a you know, a multitude of people are going to the polls. So how then are they likely to decipher and decode what's coming through so that they can make an informed decision as to whether or not they're going to be left out in the cold or not? Well, I think on the issue of employment, it is a serious issue because there are a lot of young people. I'm an academic and I work with young people a lot of the time and they leave with the degrees, but they can't get jobs. And if they try and apply for those positions, then um, there, there is a degree of employment uh, equity or you know, what you would call uh, equal opportunity. But what happens is that certain groups of people get advanced in terms of employment. So there is discrimination in the employment sector. What do these young people do? They leave the country if they can afford to. And those that can't leave the country to seek jobs, they remain unemployed and enter into you know, other uh, acts of crime and so on. So we actually need to have a policy where all young people or people who are seeking employment will actually have some uh, you know, guarantee that even if they don't get the jobs that they are wanting, that they will have some form of employment to be able to support themselves. On the issue of land, um, it is another contentious issue. And how are we going to practically take land and give it to the people who need it? And that uh, answer has not uh, emerged yet for me. I'm still looking for the answers. You know, how is that going to happen? Is it going to be a crowd of people that are just going to uh, you know, pitch up on a, a plot of land and say, right, we're taking this land. It's not very practical. So what needs to happen is that there needs to be a very sort of systematic uh, and dignified way in which this happens and, and a legal way as well, because you can't simply just take land. Uh, I, I think that, that that is a serious issue. Then the issue of, um, you know, governments who are running certain provinces um, and what they've been able to achieve. I think on the issue of uh, unemployment or service delivery in the Western Cape, for example, that uh, is a challenge. We've seen in the last few months a lot of service delivery protests in the Western Cape. And people have been basically out, uh, you know, saying gangsterism is a problem. Uh, you know, these are the kinds of daily issues uh, where the police trying to protect them. So security issues, crime issues, service delivery, etc., is a real issue. And even if, say, for example, certain parties are elected into power uh, in certain provinces, 
we have yet to see whether they're going to actually deliver on that. I mean, you can't necessarily vote for a party simply because you think that, you know, they're going to uh, achieve certain things. You have to see some evidence of that, and I, I think that that's very important. Yeah, yeah. I think in terms of um, the way in which, I mean, the EFF's position on the Indian community, it is a concern because I think that uh, we cannot paint an entire community uh, with, uh, you know, as you said, uh, a certain color, because we have to uh, be very clear in our criticism of uh, what, what we're saying. Uh, if you're talking about the treatment of um, workers, let's actually look at all employers and how they treat their workers instead of saying it's one particular racial community. Yeah. I think that you can't because the Indian community in South Africa has played a huge role in building this country. And it is unfair to actually target that community yeah. in that way. Yeah. So I think that yeah. the, these are some of the things that actually need to be need dealt to be with. Addressed. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll leave it there, Dr. Nadvi, and go back to the audience now to find out some of these suggestions. We'll ask you to keep it as brief as possible. A lot more to still talk about. I do want to talk about gender issues and domestic violence and, and corruption. I do want to touch on that as well. We are going to be taking that forward. Let's go to the audience members. Go ahead. Uh, thank you, Mr. Houston. My name is Dean. I'm from Unedgecom. Um, in 2017, the MEC for Economic Development and ANC chair in this province said that Indians shouldn't participate in BE because they aren't black. That's the statement that he issued. And so he effectively has said that Indians should not participate in the economy in KZN. Can you tell me how we can include all races in the economy to create opportunities for everyone? Appreciate your question. Next audience member. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, listeners and the panel. My your, question your is name, about... Sir. My yes. name is Mr. Ponsami from Ward 49. I have a question regarding education. Although the government is making inroads in terms of addressing the inequalities, and providing the necessary funding, I want to know from the MEC, what are the plans in terms of reviewing? You're directing that question to the MEC. I, I will disallow it because I do see that you're wearing an ANC t-shirt, sir. We said we're not asking directly to parties. So let's go. But I will raise the issue of education. I believe it's a strong one and it's going to go to the entire panel. Thank you for that, for raising that issue. Let's go to the next audience member. Hi, I'm Priscilla Vanyar. i like to say to you all, Today we stand here. I am old. I am suffering on this place. What are the ANC, what are the people are doing for us? We are suffering at this age. What's going to happen to the youths? Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing, us, sharing with us your story. Let's go to the next audience member. Hello. Good afternoon, panel and uh, presenters. My name is Shane Hansraj. Mm -hmm. uh, before I start... <laughs> Mr. Hansraj. I just need to ask the presenters, we have Indian political parties in Phoenix, they're not represented here. I need to know why, right? But uh, that's fine. But I need to know, the DAM won 2014, 2016, most of the Indian areas. I want them to tell me what have they done. They, 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 the service delivery is gone. No, 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 I, I think you go on, sir. You're talking about service delivery very quickly. Yes. There's, there's nothing being done since 2014, since 2016. And it's all DA councillors and MPs from Phoenix and all former Indian areas. Thank you for the question. We appreciate it. Let's go to our next audience member. 
Okay, my question is directed to the EFF. If you say Julius says that all Indians are racist, how do you expect the Indians to vote for you all? Thanks, but thanks. We're just allowing one question at a time. Next audience member, please. Hi, uh, AMEC, ANC. My name is Silver Naika. I promote sports in the area. Uh, Greenberry Ground is a neglected ground. Please, can you help us facilitate to take ownership? I represent a club which is over 120 years old, and we want to adopt Greenberry Ground so we can work with partnership with the government and the community to help keep yeah. children away from the Okay, thank you so much for the, for the point there. Next audience member. Let's go ahead, next audience member. Okay, thank you very much. My name is Emmanuel Mshongo. Uh, I just want to find out from the ANC that Etewini is allocating 1% of houses to minorities, that's including colored, white, and Indians. How do we expect the Indian community to get houses if you allocate only, only 1% of houses to them? Like in Tongat, Indians are excluded in getting houses in Tongat, yet they're living in informal settlements. Thanks and so much. Uh, I want to ask this question no, to, to... Only one question. Who are you directing your question to? Who are you going to direct your question I'm to? I'm directing my question to the corrupt ANC. Let's go. Let's go to our next audience member. Good afternoon. My name is Danny Pillay. Go ahead, sir. Good afternoon. My name is Danny Pillay. I'm a DA activist. I know for sure that the DA is going to win this election. So what is your and question? And when they're going to win this election? What is your question? When they're going to win this election, they will clean the ANC away. Okay, so you're not asking a question in the allocated time. Let's go to the next audience member. One last audience member, please. Let's go. Uh, good day. I'm Johan van den Berg, Durban North. I want to ask the ANC very specifically and also the EFF, although they actually a non-entity, but they can cause a lot of trouble in the country, is will they accept losing the elections? Will they go down graciously and become opposition party and not turn a country into civil war? And Thank you. Thanks so much. Appreciate your question. So let's just take this round of questions. Uh, I think from the previous bout that we didn't do, we didn't talk about corruption and we didn't talk about the gender issue. And I'm going to put that forward through to actually Mr. you, Mr. Vusikoza, on gender because that's not a conversation I've had too much with the EFF in a lot of interviews I've done in the build-up to election. Um, Domestic violence is a major issue. I'm not even going to bring that to the ANC because I do know that they've got a lot of projects as led by President Sula Maposa in that regard. Your, your participation in domestic violence? Our participation in... To eradicate it? Yeah, to eradicate uh, domestic violence. Uh, recently, there was an incident where a musician, Mampincha, assaulted Babes Wodum. We were the first one to go and open a case and had him arrested. That's one. Number two... As, as, a, as gender activists in the EFF, our list to parliament is 50% women, 50% men, currently and into the new going towards election. You don't Lastly, have too much women representation in your top order, though. Yeah, that's a democratic process. That comes through as a democratic process. I've got to question the message sent about respect for women then in that, in that process. If, 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 I, if I were to tell you in our top six as the EFF, our treasurer general is a, is a woman, our secretary general is a woman. 
So, so that, that's a fair representation in the top six. Compare that with the ANC, you will see the discrepancy I'm talking about and all the other parties. And as EFF, we are saying domestic violence and gender-based violence should be uh, 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 categorized as, as, as a priority crime. And yeah. there must be, the, the sentences must be reviewed so that if there's a heavier sentence and people are sent directly to jail for gender-based violence. Mm. Let's talk to the ANC now about the issue of corruption. It's hanging over your head for a very long time and it's been touted by many analysts as to why the ANC performed so poorly in the 2016 election. Uh, the, the question there talking about uh, fraudulent expenditure, about 222 million, the jobs that has, um, you know, resulted in, in, in um, the jobs you've lost in that process. Corruption hangs over the ANC and while you talk about the several boards that you have and the several commissions that are trying to eradicate it, it seems as if it's ongoing. So how are you going to win the, elect the confidence of the electorate when you have the situation where the ANC is painted with the brush of corruption? Okay, let's start by, by clarifying something. There's no 220 million that got lost, okay? There's nothing. It's nothing like that. It's uh, go anywhere else, go to the AG report or go anywhere. There's never been any 220 million that got lost. Otherwise, the Auditor General would have picked it up. On the second question, the ANC is dealing with corruption. That is why even today we are open about dealing with individuals within the ANC that are corrupt. That is why even today we are not scared to have commissions that are interviewing, that are actually getting to the bottom of corruption, that are getting to the bottom of where uh, the monies are going to. That is why we are not afraid to say, yes, there has been mistakes in the past, but we are saying to these communities, we are saying to the people of South Africa, it is only the ANC that is a credible government internationally, investment that will make sure that South Africa grow together, investment that will ensure that we create employment for everybody, but investment that will ensure okay, that there are entrepreneurs that will create jobs for themselves. But you've only got a 12% audit report, Auditor General's report. Only 12% of your audits have been clean. Yes. We agree with you that it's not only 12%, by the I way. The confidence it's not, they have no, it's not only 12%. It's not 12%. If you go to municipal outcome, go to the national outcomes, you will see the Auditor General report will tell you of the improvements that have been done in cleaning out our audit outcome of all the government departments. Talking about, again, about cleaning our system, we are this government has created institutions to deal with corruption. We've even stepped up and said there must be special courts, criminal courts, that ensure that deals with criminals that are corrupt. Recently, we've even said we now need the asset for future unit to ensure that we have special courts so that you don't have long ongoing court yeah, cases yeah. that are not being dealt okay. with of people that corrupt. I'll leave um, it there I, with you. No, I just, yeah. oh, I just also want to add because there are questions that have been asked that have not been attended to. I'm going to, to come back to it, but I just want to uh, keep the conversation going on, the, uh, on that particular narrative. So the DA is often criticizing the ANC for being corrupt. That's the first line in, whenever you refer to the, to the ANC. It's been pointed out that the DA has made a great sort of inroad in a lot of Itekweni areas. But many people are saying, and they say to us on the ground when we do research, you're not performing. They tell us they don't know what to do now because they voted in a new party.
they adhered, but they're not getting the compliance. So taking that into account, the DA can't constantly badger other parties when you don't have all your ducks in a row. Uh, Suresh, let me tell you, taking over the Itigwini municipality is a process. It's not going to happen once. We'll, I guarantee you we'll take it over in the next election. For as long as this city is run by the ANC, it will remain corrupt and you'll get poor service delivery. If you want a better run city in Itigwini, then put in a DA government and get rid of the corrupt crooks. So you can't measure the city's achievements by the achievements of one DA ward. That's incorrect. Let me tell you, of the 33 municipalities, Suresh, that received clean audits in South Africa in 2017, 21 of them were DA-run municipalities. So we know how to run cities. We know how to fix towns. We know how to fix cities. We know how to fix the country. It's the ANC that's stealing our money. The DA doesn't steal our money when it comes to corruption. Let's, let's just if it were not for the DA, let me remind you, if it were not for the DA, South Africa will still have the corrupt Jacob Zuma in, as a president today. It was the DA that took him out and put the ANC under pressure and exposed him about Nkangla, exposed him about all of, all of his feelings and corruption. South Africa would still have that corrupt Mr. Hussein, let's leave it there. Back to you, Ms. Dubinkobe. I want to talk about education very, very quickly because it came as a serious national issue. And I know we, it's quite heated right now and we can spend a lot of time on that, on that discourse, but let's shift to education. What's the plan going for education? Because textbooks have still been a major issue and Kazuna Natal is bearing the brunt of non-delivery of textbooks. Oh, we don't have a single school that doesn't get the textbook. That's not from there. And we are the only province, even you can go to Google anywhere else, this province is the one that ensures that all the textbooks, even the exam papers, you never get uh, exam papers being stolen. All the textbooks get to all the schools. But we are also, this government has made sure that all the schools irrespective wherever they are they ensure that they have proper teaching uh, systems in place we are even making sure that our schools are integrated but also you are putting in the infrastructure in our schools by the way you had DA governments that ran this country hundred hundred years ago they never cared for our people they never make sure that even the Indian community where we are that the, the houses that we come here today to see that we are renovating those houses. It's this previous apartheid government that put our people in the squalors that made sure that our people do not have proper facilities, that the ANC must now yeah. clean up. That is why this ANC is saying we are going to continue putting our people first, ensuring that we govern this country moving forward. Yeah. Ma'am, we'll leave it there with you now because I think it's time to wrap up. Everybody, we're going to give you 30 seconds to wrap up. State your final uh, cases there on lot that was raised. Let's start with you then, ma'am, uh, from the ANC, Ms. Namusa Dubengube, your 30 seconds start now. <coughs> Go ahead, ma'am. Uh, we are saying for the people, this country needs to move forward. This country needs social cohesion. This country needs dedicated people of this country who are going to make sure that our people are not self-hated. That is going to make sure that we embrace all communities irrespective of where they come from. It is this ANC government who is saying our president Ramaphosa has had the Your confidence of up. bringing in. Your time is up. We leave it there with you. Thanks for that. Mr. Hanif Hussein from the DA, 30 seconds. Fellow South Africans, the DA has proven to you that we can fix towns, cities and provinces. And now we want to prove to you that we can fix a country also. Do you really want to live in a country where you are treated like a second-class citizen? 
Do you really want to live under a corrupt ANC government and put them back into power? Don't spend the next five years complaining about the state of our country. South Africa belongs to you to claim your right and vote for change on the 8th of May. Thanks very much for that. Let's go to Mr. Kuzikosa. EFF, 30 seconds for you. All these parties that are represented here have been in government and have achieved nothing. All we are saying here, EFF will deliver our land, jobs, uh, free education from ECD to the first degree. We, if people want to vote, they are vo waste their votes, they can vote for all these conservatives here. Yeah. But if you want something radical and something new, vote EFF on the 8th of May. EFF is here to stay. We leave it there. NFP, Mr. Ahmed Mansur Sheikh, Imam, your 30 seconds. Thank you very much. The National Freedom Party, in terms of its manifesto, is very clear about economic development, infrastructure development with locally produced goods, enhancing the manufacturing industry, reducing the imports of any goods we can manufacture in South Africa, greater incentives for small businesses because those will be job creators, housing, we've given you a solution in terms of health, we support the NHI, but we want to introduce it even at grade 10 in school level so that those with passion will continue from it. Same thing with the we'll land. Leave it there. And UDM, let's go with Ms. Angel M. Tembo, your 30 seconds. On the 8th of May, please vote for UDM, for clean governance, for employment, for poverty alleviation. You have to vote for UDM. Our president has, is capable. He has experience. He has led before alone. And he doesn't stand corruption. And we'll leave it there with you. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you very much to the political parties for representing that. Dr. Lubna be very quickly as we wrap up this in, in, in less than a minute, I think. So you have an ANC that has been in power. They seem to have a lot of criticism. You have the DA who's come in, made some support. Electorate's not so convinced anymore. You have an EFF who's capitalizing on it, but you've got to wonder about the relationship they have with all communities and smaller parties closing in on those gains. Your assessment going into polls. Well, I think the electorate has a choice that uh, it can uh, take a chance and give new parties that have come on the scene uh, an opportunity to make a change and, you know, uh, do something different. Uh, or perhaps, uh, you know, stay with the parties that have been in power for a very long time and, and the criticisms are there. So it's a question of the electorate actually uh, making that choice. You know, does it want it? There is a risk to uh, voting someone new because they've not been tried and tested. And the electorate needs to remember that. There is also a risk with keeping the uh, sort of parties uh, that have been in power for a long time because of the, the challenges that have emerged. So I think the electorate has to uh, perhaps uh, take those uh, tough decisions. But I think that the panel has actually said very clearly what uh, they plan to do. And on the basis of that, uh, I think you have the information that you need to uh, make a decision. So yeah. all the best to the electorate. We'll leave it there then. Thank you so much for coming through to our debate here in Mount Edgecombe. Thanks to our political party representatives for making the time. And thanks to the entire Newsbreak team as led by executive producer Salma Patel. Shamita Reshe, have an awesome day.